And in the foreword of the book, in the foreword of the book, you're not going to edit that out, right? Because you were Scottish for one second, and I would the like, foreword of the the, the book, foreword of the book. You do not edit that out. You can't do it now. If I talk, over. <laughs> no, I am <laughs> now. You've addressed it. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm going to do callbacks later on, and you will never be able to get those out. I'm so glad this show isn't live. This is Dan Ozzy, author of the best-selling, beloved, perfect rock book sellout, and you are listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. Why? Because it's Monday, and we're here every single Monday with brand new episodes. We have been a weekly show since March of 2020. In fact, I did so many extra shows last year. Technically, I could miss a month of shows, and we'd still be weekly. Think about it. Think about it. Well, anyway, we're back with another great episode. This week, we have Lexi Rheingout of Spaced. Spaced is an excellent up-and-coming hardcore band out of Buffalo, and they're doing great things. And we talk about all of them, the formation of the band, their recent tour of the UK, how Scott Vogel of Terror came up with the name for their recent LP, and how he hooked them up with Snapcase for some shows. It's a great conversation. And it's coming up shortly. But first, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Yeah, I know it's called X now, not Twitter, but I'm not saying X. It's still Twitter to me. Shirts. We have shirts for sale at Deathwish Inc. Search the new scene. You'll see our fine selection of shirts. Pick one up. It's a great way to support the show. Reviews. Give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That really helps us out in the podcast rankings. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave episode feedback on Spotify. Let us know how we're doing. And you can always reach me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings. Available now for pre-order, Self-Made Mess, the 1997 LP from Boston's Six Going On Seven. Self-Made Mess is the debut album from Six Going On Seven. It's been out of print for 25 years, and this highly influential album helped define a genre that bridged the gap between hardcore-influenced emo and indie rock. It was produced by Brian McTernan at Salad Day's studio, and it's being presented on a limited edition vinyl pressing with all new artwork. And it's remastered by Jack Shirley. And he's worked with Quicksand, Joyce Manor, you name it. The remastered version of Sexy Like the Titanic is now streaming everywhere. Give it a listen. Six Going on Seven is a great band. And Josh has been on this podcast, episode 126. So check that out if you want to hear more about the band. Also, Garrison. A Mile in Cold Water. The LP is available now for pre-order. This LP was originally released in the year on Revelation Records and has been completely remixed by Kurt Ballou at God City Studio. 
and remastered by Jack Shirley. Again, Jack Shirley. He's everywhere. He's doing everything. It's on vinyl for the first time in over 23 years. This reissue is being presented as a deluxe gatefold LP with expanded liner notes and artwork. The God City remix version of The Dumbest Angel by Garrison is now on streaming services everywhere. Give it a listen. We're not messing around here. This is Kurt Ballou, God City Studios remix, okay? We're not messing around. We are taking things very seriously here. Also, Garrison will be performing for the first time in over 10 years on October 6th at the Middle East in Cambridge, Massachusetts with their original lineup. They'll be playing a lot of songs from A Mile in Cold Water to celebrate the reissue of this classic record. Tickets are still available, so make sure you get them and make sure you go. It's going to be a really great show. Orange Island is playing too. Sign up for the Iodine email list. You'll find out about these reissues, new Iodine bands, everything coming out. You'll find out about it first, and you can get your hands on the records first. For more information, head to the Iodine Instagram at Iodine Recordings or to their website at iodinerecordings.com. Also, don't forget to support this month's sponsor, Triumph Printing Company. That's right, Triumph Printing Company was started in 2005 by Matt Reed, and he's been in service for nearly 19 years. Triumph is run just by Matt himself, He's doing it all himself. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Triumph offers both graphic design and screen printing services. He's printed for bands like Bane, Be Well, Death Before Dishonor, and End It. He's also worked with iodine bands. And get this, you're not going to believe this. The new scene shirts, the black and white ones that you've seen, Matt printed those. That's right. You've seen them, you love them, you know them, you wear them. So if you need some merchandise printed or you need some graphic design work done, why not talk to Matt? Look, don't try to do it yourself, okay? It's going to come out bad. It's going to be a really, really dicey situation, okay? Let's get in touch with Matt at Triumph Printing Company. And get this, new customers can get 10% off their total order. Just send an email to triumphprintingco at gmail.com and mention the new scene. And if you're a new customer, you get 10% off your order. Once again, that's triumphprintingco at gmail.com. Mention the new scene, and you get 10% off your order if you're a new customer. Okay, so listen. Check back in with me in segment three. I'll tell you everything that's going on with me. We'll check in. But right now, we are going to speak to Lexi Reingelt of Spaced. Enjoy.
All right. We are here now with Lexi Reingout. Lexi, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, Lexi. Yes, Lexi. It's great to have you here. There's a lot going on with you. Spaced is doing excellent things. And uh, we're going to talk all about that. But first, let me ask you, Lexi, how are you doing today? You know what? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I recently started a book and I'm really into that. And, you know, I was going through like a reading drought, uh, especially being on tour. It's hard to actually finish books when I'm on the road. So like to have the time to like sit down and read is just like perfect for me. What book did you start? Um, it's called Happy Place. It's like a romance book. Uh, it's written by Emily Henry. She has like a couple of really popular ones, but this one's like super easy, like beach read type of thing. And I love it. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I haven't done much reading. Um, let's see. Well, probably not for a long time, but <laughs> hopefully soon enough. My friend really recommended the Slash autobiography. He said he was going to lend it to me. I'll read that. Okay. I want to read tales of uh, debauchery and everything else. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, definitely. We love a good autobiography. So uh, you live in Buffalo, correct? Yes. Have you lived there your whole life? No. So I'm actually from a very, very small town called Holly. It's like 30 minutes outside of Rochester. Uh, but I went to school to for, like at SUNY Fredonia, which is an hour or probably like 45 minutes south of Buffalo. But like a lot of people that I became friends with from there lived in Buffalo. So when I graduated, it was like, I might as well just move there because all my friends are there. And like my boyfriend's here. I live with my boyfriend now. So it just made sense. And I love it here. So it was an after college thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, talk about where you grew up. How was it? What was it like? Oh my God. So, uh, <laughs> very small farm town, uh, in a very rural part of New York state. Uh, not much going on, to be honest. Like, I think about like, especially when I like we're traveling and like we come across all these young kids and they're like 14 years old going to shows. And when I was like their age, I like listened to like pop punk, but, and I wanted to go to shows, but my mom was like, I'm not letting you go to shows by yourself. And I was like, Oh, come on. So, <laughs> uh, it just was like, there wasn't enough to do there. So I just like, I did a lot of sports. I did uh, musical. I did like chorus and band. Uh, and that's kind of just like took up my time while I was in high school until college. And then I started to like discover more punk music and stuff like that. But growing up, Lexi, when she was a teenager, was just preoccupying herself for the time being. It sounds like you were involved with a lot of stuff, even young chorus, band, all mm -hmm. of that. Yeah, I, I liked it. I love to keep myself busy. Like if I'm not tr like feeling like I'm drowning, then like, I don't know what to do with myself, which is probably really bad, but that's just how my life has always been. Like I'm really good at dealing with like stress and a lot of things happening. Uh, so we were talking about you. You're, you're growing up in this small town. You're listening to pop punk. You're in plays and chorus and involved with things in school. I like that. It's because I, uh, I think I was looking for, th I, I actually thought about this the other day. I was like, why didn't I get involved with like plays and things at school? I wanted to be out. I wanted to be doing something, but I, I didn't get involved in anything. I just like went to school and then came home and sat around. Yeah, I, uh, I have an older sister and my mom taught in the elementary school. So like 
it, and my older sister, she played sports, she did musical and stuff like that. So it just kind of was like, oh, well, if like my sister does it and like my mom is going to be in school anyways, like I might as well do things to preoccupy my time because I remember I would get out of school and then my mom, the elementary school wouldn't get out for like another hour. And in like teenage time, I'm like an hour, like that's so long to wait. So I was like, <laughs> I might as well just like do sports and like everything to like preoccupy myself. That's very smart. See, I would have just sat there like a schlub waiting an hour to be picked up because I don't know, that's what I did at the time. Yeah, I I was a theater kid through and through uh, that just happened to play sports. <laughs> so you would be in like the school plays and everything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I started doing the play when I was in eighth grade. And by the time I was a senior, I did sit, we did Cinderella and I was Cinderella, uh, which like, that was just like my life back then. And like, it's so funny whenever I talk about that uh, with like, especially other people in like hardcore bands, like I'll be like, yeah, I was an ex theater kid. And they're like, Oh my God, me too. So it's just like, how did we find ourselves in this situation? It's like completely <laughs> opposite. So you were Cinderella. Yeah, I was. Were you popular? Uh, it's so like super small school. I wouldn't even say there was such, like such thing as being popular because there wasn't enough people. Like my graduating class was 89. Ah. like and you knew everybody so it wasn't like you could be popular because so many people knew about you it's just because we all knew each other i don't think i was i was a nerd so i don't think i was what was like the vibe and the structure of the class you i know you said it's small like for example when i went to school it was still very like 80s uh movie you know like jocks versus like freaks versus uh, i don't know it was like that like I want to say that there was clicks, but at the end of the day, like we all got along. Like I remember like there were like the stoners and like the cheerleaders and like all that stuff. And I was like, but I did sports. So like I would hang out with the jocks, but I was also a theater kid. So I would hang out with like the arty artsy kids and stuff like that. So, and like a lot of the time, the like our theater program would recruit jocks. So it's like, there was never this weird divide between them. Like what do you think mm -hmm. about like high school musical where it's like Troy Bolton, like needs to decide whether his passion is basketball or musical theater. Like it was never like that. It was like, like I would literally go to basketball practice and then be like, Hey, I have to go to musical. Is that okay? And my coach would be like, yeah, go ahead. Blah, blah, blah. Or like vice versa. I'd be like, Hey, like I have to go to basketball practice. And like the, theater like head would be like okay that's fine so like i would be like running back and forth from like the gym to the th like auditorium all the time but it was like never really clicks like i remember for like prom like everybody I, maybe it was just because like my class got along with each other but like we i never felt that wow yeah see i like that i like that because uh Everybody together, everybody can do everything right. Because when I, when I was in high school, I didn't do anything. And I was like, oh, the theater kids are losers. Like, don't talk to them. But I wasn't doing anything. So what right did I have to say that? Yeah, I don't know. It's just like, I guess it depends on your school district. So like, I just went to, I just finished my second bachelor's degree in English education. So like, I've been in schools a lot in the past like year. So it definitely depends on like the school dynamic because like one school that I was in for student teaching was like big. You could definitely tell that there were clicks, but in the other school that I was student teaching at, it was still bigger, but like, I felt like the students got along better with each other. So it just depends on like the school culture and like how that works out.
Yeah. So wait, you said you finished your second bachelor's degree. Yes, I went back to school during the pandemic for English education to teach middle and high school. Wow. Did you you got another degree during the pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I get bored that I make myself do things. Wow. You're really a go-getter, aren't you? Yeah. I'm waiting to get my acceptance for grad schools. So yeah, I could do that because I couldn't sit still. Maybe there'll be another pandemic and you can get a master's or something. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> what was your first degree in? Audio radio production. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, and I applied to like, in Buffalo, there's only like two main radio stations and I applied to both of them at least 12 times and didn't hear back. So I was like, I think this is my sign that I need to do something new. Hmm. Did you ever just show up at the radio station and say, look, I'm the person for this job? No, I probably should have. I knew people that worked there, too. Oh, well, I, I'm much happier doing teaching. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, so talk about your interest in punk music. Where did you come in? What hooked you? What was your thing? Uh, I remember... Like the first CD that me and my sister bought was Good Charlotte, Young and the Hopeless. Mm -hmm. And I loved like, I guess, mainstream pop punk because like that was also the same time that like Fall Out Boy and like Panic at the Disco and Paramore and My Chemical Romance were like on MTV in the morning. And mm -hmm. I remember watching the Misery Business music video by Paramore and like staring at Haley Williams and being like, I want to be just like her. Like she had like crazy colored hair and makeup and like you could tell that she just like didn't give a fuck. And I thought that that was the coolest thing. And I want to say, I don't even know how old I was when that I first saw that video, but I was definitely like probably nine years old thinking like, this is the coolest person in the world and <laughs> just like wanting to be her. And like my dad, he listened to like this one radio station that would play like Lincoln park and like slipknot and stuff like that. So I was like kind of into that music. And I remember I made friends with this girl because she found out I liked Lincoln park. So like we would bounce like bands off of each other. And then she ended up moving when we were in middle school. But like, I continued to like fall in love with like, I, I don't want to say it's punk because like in eighth in like seventh and eighth grade, I was listening to like all time low and like, artist versus poet and like all these like scene kid bands yeah and throughout high school it was mostly like the same type of music and then i didn't really like fall deeper into pop punk or punk in general until i went to college because i went and saw all time low and the bands that were opening were tonight alive issues and state champs and state champs like hooked me I was like, this is the coolest band I've ever seen. So I started listening to like the story so far and then real friends and knuckle puck. And then I started to listen to bands like basement and like modern baseball. And I started to listen to more emo stuff. And like, as time went on, like I started like, then I discovered that like every time I die is this cool, hardcore band from Buffalo. And like all of my friends that like, I met through music that were from Buffalo were like, yeah, Etid is like that band. Like you got to, you got to go to an Etid show and like understand it. So I went to uh, the 2016 Etid holiday show um, with my boyfriend, Dan. And I remember the opening band was this band Bungler, which was like a local, like hardcore metalcore type of band. Um, and I liked them. 
like that was part of the reason why I wanted to go. But then I remember like it, you, the ETID holiday shows used to be at this small venue called the waiting room. And that year they had four shows in two days. So there was a downstairs that was like a bigger venue. Like I want to say it's probably like 500 cap. And then the upstairs, which is like 250 cap. So they did one downstairs, one upstairs. I went to the downstairs one because that's just whatever I got tickets for. But I remember telling like my boyfriend, I was like, I'm going to go in the pit. And he's like, no, you're not. Like, I promise you, you're <laughs> not going to be okay in that. And I was like, what do you mean? And then the show started and I was like, oh, I get it. And like, I didn't understand like hardcore, like pits at that point in my life. Like all I knew was a push pit and like a stage dive. And I was just like watching from afar and I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I started to listen to more hardcore through that. And like, I was listening to like Knocked Loose and Counterparts for a long time. And then I started to listen to bands like Jesus Peace and Year of the Knife and Terror. And it was just like this trickle down of like my music taste today. I love it. Yeah, I did the opposite and listened to all the craziest, heaviest stuff of the time and then cycled into pop punk and emo and everything. But I love those uh I love those experiences you have when you see a band for the first time and it really hooks you and it's just like insane and you don't know what it is you're watching and you're like, "Wow, like this is it." Yeah, literally. Like that was probably my first exposure to like the hardcore scene and i was like this is literally insane how do i like do this more often like that was my <laughs> first thought i was like i want to do this all the time so did you start going to a lot more shows after that uh i tried to i was still like really into like pop punk and emo but like i went to that and then i think like the first hardcore show that i ever went to that wasn't eated was knocked loose's first headlining uh tour which mm. had terror jesus peace and year of the knife and what a show. It was awesome. Like it was at this like venue in Rochester, which like I don't even know if they have shows anymore. It's that type of vibe. But like I just remember like watching it and I got into the pit for the first time and like I had fun. I don't know if I looked cool moshing, but like I was having the time of my life, which is like well, all that matters really. So then after that, I was like, I need to go to more hardcore shows. And I remember what like I started to listen to Vane because they played the ETID uh Christmas show that year and in twenty nineteen, like Have Heart announced their reunion shows and my best friend Brianna was like, Hey, uh I wanna go to this. I don't really have anybody that I know is going. Would you come with me? Vane is playing. And I looked and I'm like, outdoor venue, it's in Worcester, Massachusetts. It's only a six hour drive. Tickets early 25. Yeah, I'm there. So like we both went to this and like I went to see Vane. And like that was the first time I saw One Step Closer and Anxious. And I was like, who are these bands? And then I saw Have Heart. And like I just like looked around at one point and I was like, there's 30,000 people here for this band that like I had only recently heard of and like everybody's singing along to all the songs and I'm watching these people like rush the stage. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. I need to be more involved. And I literally went home, got a tattoo from Donnie, who is the guitarist of space. And I was like, Hey, I did this. I know you like hardcore. How do I get more into the hardcore scene? And he's been booking shows in Buffalo forever. And he was like, let me take you under my wing. And like, he would like, <laughs> he was like, follow the Buffalo Hardcore Instagram. You can see all the shows that are happening. And he was like, you need to get in a band. And I was like, no, I don't. 
I just like to go and like support. And he's like, no, we're going to get you into a van. And my boyfriend, Dan worked with him at the time. So they started writing stuff and then brought in John and Joe who are also in space. And they were like, Hey, we, we created this demo. All you need to do is sing on it, scream on it. And I was like, okay. And that's how the space demo came to be. So they bring you the demo. What do you do? Do you uh, do you go in and record right away? Do you have to like develop your voice? How does that work? So the idea of it was ready in 2020. Uh, but like, obviously, we were living in a global pandemic. So it wasn't mm. like able to go full speed ahead. So we got together in the summer of 2020 after like making sure that like we were all safe and like healthy. And that was when we started to like do pre-production. And I remember we worked on Think I Am in Your Universe that night. And I just kind of sat there because I was like, I don't know what to do. This is my first band. Like all these guys have been in bands. So like they know what they're doing. And I'm just kind of like waiting. And I just remember listening to, I think it was Think I Am. And I was like, this is the coolest song I've ever heard. This is exactly the type of hardcore I would want to be in a band for. And I think like that night I drove home and I started like practicing yelling to like Trapped Under Ice and like Turnstile because I found that like Justice and Brendan's like vocal style is probably what I was aiming for. So I was like, okay, let me try practicing like that. And then I would practice more and more in the car and come like March of 2021 is when we like actually start to like do a little bit more pre-production right before we went to the studio to record the demo. And I was like nervous doing it in front of the guys. And so it was kind of like me yell, like talking loudly. And I remember Donnie goes, you can, you can give me more. I know you can. And so then I started to like, like yell, which is what the, like my vocals on the demo sound like. I, they've definitely changed since then, but like, that's what I did. And all the guys were like, yeah, this is going to be fucking cool. <laughs> so it was just like, a long period of time, but also just like small like moments where I'm like practicing and like getting more comfortable with it. And that's kind of how that happened. Wow. Yeah. I, I read, you know, you were driving around and just yelling and practicing the songs. And I was like, wow, I remember doing that too. I used to put on turmoil and I would just yell along with to it, but in the hopes that I would end up in a band someday. Which I did, but not as vocalist, but that's fine. So, it's, yeah. Did anyone ever, like, pull up next to you and say, like, hey, are you okay? Or- no, but I probably looked insane. So, the way that Buffalo <laughs> works is, like, if you need to get anywhere, like, there's a throughway like, that can take you there. So, it was always when I was driving on the throughway that I would do it. Because I was like, I'm going fast enough that if anybody's looking at me, then that's their problem. Yeah. So, I never did it in, like, residential areas because I knew that people would stare at me. So how old are you when all of this is going down? Uh, I think I was 25 when the demo came out. Yes, because I'm 27 now. So you're out of college at this point? Uh-huh. Well, actually, I'm getting going back into college at this point. Out of college, going back in, yes. getting ready to record the demo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you said you laid it down. Everybody's into it, right? Are you into it? Yeah, Absolutely. It's kind of amazing to just get swept up in this thing, right? Like, you're like, how do I get involved in the hardcore scene? And they're like, here's this band we're going to start. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> was it? Was that like overwhelming at all? It definitely was like, me? Are you sure? Because like, <laughs> when I was at Fredonia, I was booking shows and like 
going to shows and helping, but I was never like, I never saw myself as being someone who would go up on stage, especially because like, I'm a, I felt like I'm not, I'm not super confident in my singing. Uh, but yelling is obviously is a lot different. It's harder though, but for some reason I can do that. So it was definitely like, are you sure you want me to do this? And then like, I remember listening to the demo for the first time and I was like, oh my God, like, who is this? Like, I didn't even recognize myself. <laughs> but you had experience being on stage in the plays and everything. I imagine that had to help somewhat because you're used to you're used to performing in front of people to some degree. Yeah, definitely. And like, I would argue that like, I felt way more nervous when I was like doing musicals and stuff like that, because like singing is a lot different than yelling, at least in my opinion. Whereas like when I yell, it's not supposed to sound pretty. It's supposed to just be like, I'm like, I'm angry. Like I'm yelling. I'm like telling you how I feel through my lyrics. Like, so if I sound bad, quote unquote, that's good. So I was like, we're like, and I just kept telling myself, I'm like, the hardcore community is so like nice that if I sounded like shit, like, I don't even think anybody would like be mean. Well, I'm sure there would be some, but like, for the most part, I'd like felt comfortable knowing that like, if I fuck, if I fuck this up, like, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, I've been in plenty of bands and I, I've, I've, uh, done one play, right? Uh, I was the lead in the play and it was, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hour production. The play is definitely harder, Yeah, you know, and a musical, forget about it. You, you probably, like you said, you probably have to sing like on key in a very specific yeah. way. Like for Cinderella, I was singing in my head voice most of the time and I hate doing that. Oh my God. <laughs> so it just is like, if I'm yelling, like, good. I'm okay with that. I can yell anytime, any day. Yeah. And if it, like you said, if it sounds bad, quote unquote, that's actually good. And you can, always, it's like a hardcore band. So you can just say, oh, that's my artistic choice. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going for that sound. It, it works. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, there are so many bands who have like unconventional vocalists for hardcore and it works in their favor. So I hope that what we're doing is working in our favor. Oh, it is. I can tell you. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> All right. So the demo is recorded. When do you play the first show? Our first show. So we released a demo on August 2nd of 2021. And I can't remember the exact date, but I want to say it was like two weeks later that we played our first show. And it was in this like lot. I don't even know how to explain it. We just played a show there for the first time since like two weeks ago. It's literally just this abandoned lot like in downtown Buffalo that has like some abandoned factories around it. So like no one is ever there. And like a lot of punks always like would have shows there. So in order to like make it as safe as possible, we were like, we need to have an outdoor venue just so that way, like, cause COVID was still a thing. Like shows are just coming back. Um, so we were like, let's make it as safe as possible and have it in like an outdoor setting. So it was our first show. We're the opener and then smash and grab an exhibition play too. And like, at this point, like, I'm kind of friends with everybody, but, like, I don't really know them that well. So, like, that show was, like, the first time that I was, like, able to, like, hang out with everybody. And it was just, like, so fun. I, I mean, it's probably good to say this, that that was our worst set that we've ever played. Because <laughs> it is our first set. So, like, but some, like, I remember I used a mic stand 
which like I don't use a mic stand. Um, it just isn't something that I like to do. But at the time I was like, I think I'm going to try with a mic stand. Yeah. And there was a guy moshing who knew all the words, which was crazy. At the first show. Yeah. Uh, wow. And like a couple of people were moshing, but like, it was kind of awkward. Like I definitely, my stage presence was like not anything close to what it is today. So I'm sure that my awkwardness made everybody else feel like they have to like, kind of stand there. And then I think our last song that we played was spinning and I took the mic off the stand and I like actually moved around and I was like, yeah, this feels much more comfortable. I don't know why I was using a mic stand, but that like got people like really excited. Um, and I remember afterwards, Brett from exhibition was like, how do you feel? Like, did you almost shit your pants? Like joking around. And I go, actually, yeah, I did at one point feel like I was going to, and he's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I was just really nervous. Wow. That's uh that sounds like a great first show. Yeah, it was really cool and like that was the second Buffalo Hardcore show to happen since everything shut down. And I didn't go to the first one just cuz like I couldn't, but it was like I was looking around it's like I don't know any of these people. And that is like the coolest thing to see and like to this day like a Buffalo Hardcore show like will happen. I'm looking around like there's like a handful of people I've never seen here before. And I know that this is probably their first Buffalo hardcore show. And then you see them again at the next one. And then at the next one, then they like start a band and like, it just warms my heart that like Buffalo is like doing really well right now. I love that. Even as you're saying that it warms my heart. I'm like, yes, it's still happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, The younger people are out there doing it. That's a great thing. Yeah. Like we go to a lot of different, like small scenes where it's like, You see, like, we've played in Bloomington, Indiana twice, and, like, the scene there is amazing. It's so cool. The last time we played there, there was a 14-year-old, and she was, like, moshing. And I was like, this is the coolest 14-year-old I've ever seen. Like, I was nothing like that. Amazing. So... So you play these first couple shows in Buffalo, mm-hmm. right? Uh, how do you start getting out more? Like, do you, do you guys buy a van and start touring? Like, what do you do? So our second show, we were actually reached out to, and it was in Cleveland. Um, and we opened for Gag. And I just remember, like, going there and, like, talking to people. And they're like, oh, Spaced. Like, how many shows have you played? You must be new. And I'm like, oh, this is our second show. And they're like, this is your second show and you're out of town? And I was like, yeah. I don't know how this works, <laughs> but um, then we we didn't have a van or anything at the moment. Um, and we did like a couple more out of town shows like in Brooklyn and um, and Wallingford, Connecticut. And we did like a little weekend run for that. And then we were home again. And then we really needed a van for the first time was our first like tour. It was with Broken Vow. It was a four day run out to the Midwest and then back. And we used... Dan, our drummer, his dad has a van that he just like he bought with the intention of Dan using it for his bands whenever they need it for touring. So whenever we need it, we're like, hey, Mr. McCormick, like we're going to be on tour soon. He's like, OK, just make sure you change the tires and get an oil change and it's yours. So. <laughs> well, so, yeah, it sounds like things are happening pretty quickly, which is great. Like, uh, you know, within the first five gigs, we're playing out of town, right? Uh, I mean, had you been to these cities before or was it the first time? I've been to Cleveland. I used to go to shows there quite often because Fredonia was only like a two hour drive from Cleveland. So it was like, if oh, if like 
this tour isn't hitting Buffalo, but it's hitting Cleveland. I'll just do the drive for the night and go there and come back. Um, so I've done Cleveland. Like I've been there before and I love Cleveland. Like that's honestly one of my favorite, like scenes in general to play and like go to. Um, so it was like really cool to be like there and seeing people mosh for us that I've never like seen before. But New York City, I've only ever been to like Manhattan prior to that because it was like always for like school trips or something like that. So being able to like be in Brooklyn was really cool. And then Connecticut, I had never stepped foot in Connecticut (laughs) prior to that. But dude, Connecticut hardcore is like, I remember that was like the first show that I was like, holy moly, people like us. And like, we had a great reaction then ever since then, I'm like, Connecticut hardcore is like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. When I think of strong scenes, I think of Connecticut, even though I don't know a lot about it, like New Haven, isn't that a big uh, scene? Yeah. Place? We played New Haven in April uh, and they had like a really cool scene because it's like a college town. So it's like you can, the kids go there whenever there's a show. So... We know that you eventually signed with a new morality zine. When does that happen? How does that happen? Um, it was actually on our way to that like little first weekend run in like Brooklyn and Connecticut. So like Nick has had his eye on us, like has been following us since the demo came out. And Donnie, who runs the Instagram, was like talking back and forth with him and was like, hey, like we love new morality. Like it would be really cool. Like if you ever thinking about it, Nick was like, yeah, I'm in. And so on the way to Brooklyn, he called us and was like, let's do this. Like we'll release something. Like, do you have anything available? We are like, Hey, we just actually recorded two new songs. Uh, we can put them out whenever. And he's like, perfect next Tuesday or something like that. I know wow. it was like the following week we did it. And that was two new joints. So he just was like, super chill super awesome from the beginning and like ready to support us and like he's the best like any band that i come in contact with that's like oh I, we want to like sign to like a label but like we don't know where to start and i'm like new morality like go to him go to nick send him something i'm sure he'll love it because his whole way of thinking is that he likes to get hardcore bands that aren't the traditional sound which is like perfect for us and like there's so many other bands on nmz like mile end and like ozone and xside like there's so many cool bands on the label that are hardcore but just aren't your typical hardcore and that's why like it felt right for us to sign to them yeah i like that about spaced nothing looks typical you know like i was thinking about this the other day um I don't know if a, if a band has the wrong art or just plain looking art or plain looking photos or anything else, it can just make me be like, eh, you know, yeah. and maybe I won't even check out the band, but Spaced has a good look in terms of art and everything else that you're doing. Is that, uh, where does that aesthetic come from? How do we plan that? Uh, I think when we started thinking of names, we kind of wanted something that was like simple and like stuck out. And I think originally we were going to do spaced out and then we cut it down to just spaced and we were like, okay, well our like riffs are pretty like psychedelic sounding. Like what if we start incorporating like vivid colors and like psychedelic imagery and like something a little like 
crazy looking and like the smiley logo donnie drew that up and was like what if we do this as our logo we were like yes that is cool as fuck and like it was like just the right amount of like trippy psychedelic while still being like hey we're a hardcore band so we just like i don't know we just like don't want to be the typical like cookie cutter stuff so we try to be as out there as much as possible while still staying true to hardcore. So we, we know that we went on to record Spaced Jams, the 2022 LP, yes? Yes. Um, Space Jams is like a comp of all of the music that we had released prior to that. Um, so we had recorded new songs uh, and we ended up going with Prove You Wrong, Point of View, and Tear It Apart and adding it to the comp and it just is like the perfect i i feel like that is so easy as an artist to release something with all of your music because if you make new friends it's like hey here's space jams it's all of our songs that's all you have to learn and like listen to and <laughs> as a, a fellow corpsman of someone who only can deal with like 15 minute sets and like 20 minute albums like that is perfect in my opinion so we released that and the the name, this is a funny story. So like Scott Vogel moved back to Buffalo in during the pandemic in 2020 and like goes to all the hardcore shows as much as he can. Uh, and like quickly became like a friend and like mentor for space. And I remember he messaged me and Donnie was like, you should name a song spaced jams. And then sent a <laughs> screenshot of space jam, like the, movie and yeah. i wanted to be like scott how old do you think i am because i know what space jam is but um <laughs> i was like yes that is sick so immediately donnie was like okay so we have to name something that we can't not use it like so it was perfect idea to use it for the comp i love that especially the especially considering it came from vogel yeah so he, he'll still go to a lot of hardcore shows in uh, buffalo oh yeah he flyers for terror shows uh in buffalo like really? I'm not even joking. It's so funny. The we played a show in March and he was there flyer flyering for um terror at Town Ballroom, which is one of the bigger venues in Buffalo, opening for Black Dahlia Murder. And he would hand it out to people and be like, Hey, uh, I'm in this band called Terror. We're playing Town Ballroom. It'd mean a lot if you came. And I'm like watching him and I'm like, This guy, he's so silly for thinking that like People who are coming to this local hardcore show don't know who Terror is and don't know about this show. <laughs> and that's so cool. I'd be like, wait, Scott? Yeah, he <laughs> is so silly. And he is currently doing the same thing. There's flyers at like the DIY venues in Buffalo for the Hate Breed show at the same venue that it's Jesus Beast Vane, Terror, and Hate Breed. And he's, I'm betting you, as soon as he gets back from Europe, from tears like europe tour right now he's gonna be at the first local show and be like hey my band is playing at town ballroom please come <laughs> we're in this i'm in this little band called terror we're playing with this band called hate breed yeah it's like literally wait what <laughs> like yeah i i've heard of you i i know who terror is <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah you recently played some shows in the uk right yes we were just in uk and europe for like a three and a half week tour. Whoa. How was that? It was really good. Uh, so we went last year to the UK and Europe with Comeback Kid. And that was our first time over there. No one knew who we were. 
I kind of was confused why we were there because I was like, there's no way. Like our one year anniversary of a band, like the demo being released, was the second show on that tour. And I remember telling like people from Comeback Kid, I'm like, yeah, this is our one year anniversary. And they're like, what? And you're here? <laughs> and I was like, I'm just as confused as you are. But here we are. <laughs> um, and they're like, well, it makes sense. Like you guys are doing well. But like they were super great. Um, but this like so we played like bigger venues. We played like big festivals. No one knew who we were. I had to, like we had to work to get people to enjoy our set on that tour. Um, whereas this time around it's us and buggin and it's just us two for like two weeks. We're playing small venues. It's like booked by DIY hard, hardcore kids. And it is literally the coolest shit that I have ever done. It was awesome. I, there wasn't one bad show. Like there were some that like, didn't have a great turn. Like the one it was like the day after Outbreak Fest. And I remember the promoters like, I'm sorry, but like, there's not going to be a lot of people here because it's the day after Outbreak and everybody's tired. But people were still going and moshing. Like, I don't care if I'm performing to like 20 people as long as I see that they're having a good time and moshing with me. So it was really cool. And then we did a week and a half by ourselves after Buggin was done. And we headlined all of those shows. And it was just as amazing like the day the first day on our own we played in Lyon France um we played Eberfest which is like the oldest running hardcore festival in Europe um we played that the day before and then we get into the venue which is a tiny bar that is literally like a hundred degrees and it feels like a sauna as soon as you walk in and I see like kids that are wearing the same clothes that they wore to Eberfest the day before. And they're like, oh, we took a train just so we could get here for the show. Whoa. Yeah. Like they had their suitcases like hidden under a table somewhere. Like it was, <laughs> and they were moshing like crazy and no, knew all the words. People were stage diving off of the bar. It was so cool. Hottest show I've ever played. Like I'm not even joking. I was dripping sweat the second I walked in, but wow. I wouldn't have changed it for anything. Like it was the coolest coolest experience ever and then like all the other shows followed suit so europe was really great this time that's amazing those earlier shows you mentioned where you said you had to really work to get people to enjoy the set what do you do in that case like what's the work that you do to, to get people into it into it more um i do a lot of bullying which sounds <laughs> like really bad but it works I'll be like, hey, why aren't you moving? Like, what do you like? Are we too cool for you to move? Like, move. And I like, I throw around pussy a lot. Like, I, I call <laughs> people a lot of names. I call them freaks. Uh, and they love it for some reason. And like, then afterwards, they come up to the table and they're like, oh my God, I've never heard of you before, but that was so fun. I did get a couple people being like, I'm sorry I didn't mosh. I'm older. And I was like, I, it's fine. I'm joking. Like, it's a bit. Isn't that so funny? People are like apologizing to you. Like they're afraid. <laughs> like, yeah, it got to a point where like recently one of my friends apologized to me and he's like, I'm sorry. Like he just had like his girlfriend just had a baby and he was like, I just don't want to get hurt. Cause like it's the baby. And I was like, dude, uh, you don't have to mosh. I'm just joking. Like you have a great excuse. And like, if you're an older person and you can't mosh either, that's totally fine. I'm only doing it because I need the people who can mosh to mosh. <laughs> No, I like when bands do that. Like uh, Brendan from uh, End and Counterparts, yeah. he does it really well. 
and uh, the band uh, the Callous Dow Boys. Yes. The singer of that band, he does it in a really funny way and just says these off-the-wall off things. They're good at it, yeah, too. Yeah, I remember Counterparts played here in December, and CU Space Cowboys, or CU Space Cowboy played, and Connie, their vocalist, I, like, was around the F-slur, which, like, they could do because they are trans women and, like, gay, but I was just, like, standing in the back, and I was like, whoa, this is crazy, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's sick. Like, she's awesome. It was really funny. Like, my friend I was with me was like, <laughs> was like, dude, they're showing you up. And I was like, they can. Like, they know how to bully. <laughs> Amazing. So this must really blow your mind. I mean, one minute you're asking, how can I get more involved in the hardcore scene? And two years later, you're on tour in the UK and there's kids uh, bringing their suitcases to the show to come see you. Yeah, if I'm being completely honest, I'm still, I don't think I'll ever get over it because like this is only just the beginning, it feels like. Yeah. I don't see our ceiling. Like I don't see it being hit anytime soon. Like in the next few months, like we're going to have some really cool things happening. And that like just, I don't believe it. And I'm not going to believe it until like it's all announced. Uh, but it's very surreal. Uh, but it also just like goes to show that anybody can start a band and like can do something with it. That's why I'm always telling people, um, they're like, Oh, I want to like get into hardcore and like start a band. I'm like, yes, you should like find people who can play instruments or like, if you know an instrument, find the other people and like find a vocalist and like create something that like you're proud of because like that's, the best way to do it and like we have so many like young kids starting bands in buffalo and stuff like that and like it's just really cool to see because just because like space is like doing things doesn't mean your band can't you know right no that's good advice yeah and here's some here's some extra advice for anyone young who may be listening find whoever will work with you and get out there and start creating. Don't worry about it being bad. Mm -hmm. Don't worry that you don't have the right people. Like me, I had kind of an attitude. I was like, oh, like, I don't want to work with this person because they're not good enough, even though I wasn't doing anything. Or, oh, I'm waiting for the perfect situation to come along. It's never going to come along. Mm -hmm. Get out there. Work with whoever will work with you. Don't worry about being bad. And just do it and start there. Exactly. And like our one guitarist, Donnie, he's in his 30s. This is like his however many like hardcore bands like i want to say it's he's had handful of bands prior to spaced and this is like the first one that's like doing something and he is still just like i don't know how this is happening like it's it's <laughs> but it's happening and he's like i'm really glad that my hard work paid off but it's like it's going to take a while and like it's not always going to be where it's like me who's just happened to stumble into a band and this is their first band, but like everybody else in space has been in multiple bands and like has worked hard to get here. That's another thing. Try different things, different bands, work with different people. You know, I would just be in one band and then be like, oh, I can't be in another band. I'm in this band. It's like, why? Yeah. Go try different stuff if you have the time. Yeah. Like Dan, our drummer, he's in a band called Pilot Field, which is like, uh like bouncing souls-esque type of band but like also kind of being experimental and like doing like some more like gothy stuff like 
AFI and like Alkaline Trio. And then like Joe mm. and John have like a math rock band called Gas Station. And like Donnie is currently working on making another band too. And like I'm trying to teach myself the bass so I could be in a different band. So it's possible to be in multiple bands and like have fun with it. Oh, nice. How is the uh, learning the bass going? To be honest, I haven't started, but I keep telling myself I'm going to. Um, <laughs> it's just a matter of me acquiring one and then I will actually sit down and do it. I think uh, I think you're going to be able to do it. It sounds like I I just get the sense that you're going to be able to based on uh, everything else you've done. Yeah, I hope so. I just need to get one. Uh, but John, our bassist, says that he I could borrow one. So it's just a matter of me being like, hey, can I come pick that up now? So hopefully soon. <laughs> That's where I got started, too. And I would just learn Weezer songs and then I took it from there. Yeah, everybody tells me just listen to your favorite album, learn it front to back, and then you can play any anything. Yeah. And then just learn like two scales to practice, you know, moving your fingers around up and down and that's all you need. You'll be fine. Yeah. So once I get that bass, I will sit down and I will start listening to some music and playing along with it. Hopefully soon. Just don't start with every time I die or you might get overwhelmed. No, I definitely <laughs> not. Yeah. John freaking is like, I just learned this every time I die riff and then I'll just like rip it off, like show it to us. And I'm like, dude, how are your fingers moving that fast? Yeah, I the people who can do like the really complicated guitar rock or like I don't know the really fast leads and stuff. I I have the utmost respect for because uh, it's not my style and I can't do it. Yeah, our other guitarist Joe is a madman on the guitar. That is why we sound the way we sound because he's the one who's like experimenting with all of that. Yeah, you know, I was listening to your new songs today, and mm -hmm. to everyone listening, there's two new singles out. From Spaced, Boomerang, and Cycle Killer, yes? Yes. And I was listening to some of the leads, and I was like, oh, wow, this person can really play. Yeah, he is a like evil genius on the guitar. It's crazy <laughs> what he can do. And he'll just like... Just like when we're getting ready to like practice out like before a show, he'll just be like sitting there just like twinkling around on the guitar, just like making so many different things, like so many cool sounds. And I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> so was it hard to develop into your role as the front person, just in terms of like performing and writing lyrics and all that stuff and thinking of uh, what to talk about? Because this was your first band after all, and you're learning to do it fairly young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, when it comes to lyrics, it's definitely like Donnie took lead for like the first few and like I would chime in and now like all of us are chiming in for like lyrics and stuff like that. So uh, we have like we just finished recording an EP and like Dan wrote a song and like John wrote a couple songs and like I threw in some like lyrics for like multiple songs and like so it's like now this like collaborative group effort which is really cool, which honestly, like, I'm really glad because I feel like that way things are never going to get like unoriginal and it's not going to get repetitive because we have so many brains working on like telling a story or like whatever you would call it with lyrics. Um, so that makes it a lot easier on me and makes it so it doesn't get like basic, I guess. That's good. And it's good to be able to work collaboratively, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can be hard sometimes. I don't know. I've been in bands where I am I have like a stranglehold on everything. I've been in bands where I don't care as much and I'm collaborating. I guess it just depends on the band. Yeah, it definitely, like, 
there's so many like friends of mine who are in bands and it's like, Oh, only this person writes lyrics, which is fine. Like if that's how you, your band works and by all means do it. But it's really cool to know that like, I can be like, Hey guys, like I thought of this lyric for this song and like this part, what do you think? And like, I send the voice memo and they're like, yeah, that's sick. Like keep it going. Or like Dan could be like, Hey, I just finished a song that I just like wrote what do you guys think? And we're like, yes, that's cool. But what if we add this in there too? So it's like cool to have, like have all of these like ideas and like be able to like bounce them off of each other and like get good criticism without like getting offended. And like, cause like we're all at the end of the day, we're all friends like this, like we were friends before space and we will probably be friends after space. And so, and John, Dan and Joe have been working together musically forever. And like Donnie is just like has been in the hardcore scene forever. So it's like cool to be like having different like worlds collide and creating what is our like music, like our writing process and stuff like that. So I saw that you played a gig with a Snapcase last month. We did. In Jersey. Yes. Now, how was that? They're like kings of Buffalo. Yes. So we actually played with them last fall, November. And it was like, Scott Vogel put it together, that crazy madman. And it was like <laughs> bridging the gap between old hardcore and Buffalo and new hardcore and Buffalo. So Spaced, Smash and Grab, and Exhibition opened. And uh, I cannot think of... the. I know Cinderblock played and Snapcase. And there was another band, Against All Hope. Yes. So that was like the lineup, but that was like the first time we played with Snapcase. And like, I talked to Daryl for a bit and like every, like the other guys in Snapcase and they're like, Oh, we love space. And I was like, that's crazy. Like the fact that you're telling me that freaks me out, but very cool. And then they asked us to play on the Jersey show with Exide and wreckage and same thing. I was like, that's crazy, but yeah, we're in. And I saw Daryl like shortly after, uh, we told them we would do it. And I was like, hey, thanks for like asking us. And he goes, I love space. I would always ask you guys. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's very nice, right? Yeah, so nice. And uh, we had him on this show uh, around when the time this show really started picking up steam. He was like one of the first big guests we had. Mm -hmm. And we were like starstruck. After I used to have a co-host. And afterwards, we were like, did you hear his voice? You could hear like the Snapcase voice in his voice. <laughs> yeah, that is true. You can hear it when he's talking sometimes. Yeah, great band, great band. Yes, very, I love Snapcase. So what's the plan for Spaced? Are we going to be doing full-time, all the time, as much as we can touring? Like, what do we have coming up? What's the What's the plan for the band? Um. So we, I don't, I'm not in school anymore. And like, I'm going to be, if I get accepted into grad school, which I, I think, I think I will. Uh, did you get a, did you apply to grad? Yes, schools? I applied to grad school only one and it's an online program and I have a good feeling I'm going to get in. But, mm. um, so if I do, if I am still in school, it's online. So I could just do it on the road, but we are planning on making this as full time as possible. And we're going to be on tour with a uh, spy in September and October. Uh, we're doing like a week and a half with them. So that that will be announced in the next few weeks. We're finishing recording an EP, um, which should be released later this year. 
we are like we're just we're gonna be touring as much as we can it just is a matter of like who asks us to do it slash where do we want to go and do it but we have a lot of stuff planned for the rest of the year that's amazing. How far along are we with the EP? Still writing it? Do we need to record it? What's the plan? Uh, it's all recorded. It's being mastered right now. So That's exciting. Yes. Do we have a name yet? No. <laughs> Still honestly thinking about that. Uh, but we are very, very proud of it. And it is like, I feel like whenever we've recorded in the past, I've listened to like the songs like back to back to back. And then I would be like, okay, I, I can't listen to this for a while. And like this, I'm like, I really want to listen to the EP. And then I listen to it and I'm like, I get excited because I'm, I just feel very good about it. And I know we all feel really good about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, I love the LP spaced jams, right? Mm-hmm. That's good. And then I listen to the new singles right after that. And everything just sounds stronger and better. And I'm sure that's going to be the case with the EP too. Yeah. When we recorded the two songs, we recorded with, uh, our buddy Davis, he's from Hamilton, Ontario. So we like crossed the border, uh, recorded the two songs in one day. And he did an amazing job. Like that is by far the best we've sounded. Uh, but we just recorded this EP with Jay Zabricki uh, at GCR and uh, Buffalo. And, like he's worked with Terror. He's worked with, he did the new Terror record. He's worked with ETID. He's worked with Trail of Lies uh, exhibition. So he's like, he's got a good resume when it comes to hardcore. So we, and he's just a buddy of ours. So we knew that he would do a good job with what we want for this EP. That's great. Have you thought about hitting up Scott Vogel to see if he has any uh, interesting names for the new EP? Oh my God. No, I probably should though. Yeah. I should just like send him the album art and be like, what does this make you think? And I'm sure he'll come <laughs> up with something. You know, it's going to be something good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, is is there anything we didn't cover in the end here that you want to mention? Uh, just like probably just like some shout outs for like Buffalo Hardcore and just like how it's doing. But like, I also want to give some shout outs to like some of my favorite bands that we've played shows with and uh, have like seeing them pop off. So like Prevention from Springfield, Illinois, Enervate from Milwaukee, Full Stride from Bloomington, Indiana, Sign Language from Cincinnati, uh, just to like name a few. Those are just like some of my favorite bands and like some of my favorite people that we've met through touring. I like that. Pay attention, everyone. Those are going to be the next big names you're going to hear in the scene. So go check them out now while they're fresh. Yeah, literally that band Sign Language that I mentioned, that is going to be the biggest band of the world one day. Mark my words. Oh, I'm uh I hope I remember this. They just released an album this year. It's called Madison and Floral. It's amazing. It's my album of the year right now. Nice. Nice. I gotta check that out. Well, Lexi, uh, this has been great. I love what you and Spaced are doing. Uh so just keep doing it because it sounds like things are going great and it sounds like you have a bright future. And uh I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. And there you have it. Lexi Rheingout. Great, great conversation. Excellent up-and-coming band. If you haven't heard them yet, I highly recommend that you do so. Really cool story. I mean, she's asked, how, how can I get more involved in the hardcore scene? 
boom, just like that, she's in a band, and they're doing great things. I'm happy for them. And how about Scott Vogel flyering for terror shows at uh, Buffalo Hardcore shows? I love that. I love that. And hooking them up with Snapcase, playing shows with Snapcase. Come on. They're doing it all. And since this interview was recorded, Spaced announced that they signed with Revelation Records. How about that? They're going to be releasing a new album on Revelation. All right. Good for them. That was great stuff. So thank you so much, Lexi, for coming on the show. You know, while I was recording the interview with Lexi, I I edited this part out of the interview, but some guy knocked on my door. I'm on a ground level apartment in Brooklyn. Some guy knocks on my door during the interview and I see him looking in my window and I, I thought it was an Amazon package delivery or something like that. So I pointed to the door. I got up real quick and I answered the door and I was like, yes. And he was like, hey, uh, I saw in your window that you have all that recording equipment. Like, do you record people or do you record music? And I was like, oh man, I, I, I can't do this right now. I, I'm, I'm interviewing someone right now. And he's like, oh, my bad. And then I ran back and continued the interview with Lexi. And I, I, felt, I feel bad that I kind of blew the guy off, but I was in the middle of an interview. But you know what? I'm not uh, set up to record musicians anyway. I live in an apartment. People live right above me. Uh, it wouldn't work. And I haven't done it anyway. I've, you know, I, like, I got the uh, interface set up to try to start doing some home demoing and stuff, but I barely even touched it. And I have a long way to go and a long way to learn with all that stuff. But pretty funny that that happened. So now when I record interviews, I make sure that the blinds are closed so that I don't get any more surprise visitors or people peering in and seeing all the equipment and getting ideas. You know what I'm saying? There's not much going on here this weekend. I spent all of yesterday, Saturday, prepping for a big interview I have coming up, like almost the whole day prepping. So that just tells you how good of an interview it's going to be. If our schedule holds out, For the rest of the year, we are going to end with a bang. We've got some great, great stuff on deck. Guests I've been trying to get for a long time. Other surprise, new, awesome guests. New, up-and-coming bands. Everything. I'm really happy with the way things are going. So that was basically my weekend. Didn't do anything. I just don't feel like doing anything. I think I might have reverse seasonal affective disorder because I'm miserable in July and August and early September, and I have been. I haven't been motivated to do anything. I'm doing the bare minimum to get by. I don't feel good, and I'm waiting for it to pass. But that's about it. That's all that's going on. Just a lot of podcast, a lot of band stuff, a lot of music prep, working on a lot of things. I'm very excited to get them all out there into the world for you to see and hear. It's a rainy Sunday here in New York City, so we are going to end the show with the perfect rainy day song. The song is called Rain in the Ashtray, and the band is Mooncake. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening, and until next time.